What's up, dads and dudettes? Summer sales bros and summer sales gals. It's your boy Rake here with another fantastic episode of the No Soliciting Experience. Before we get rolling, before we cue the music, before we bring in the next guest, just got to ask you guys for a huge favor. If you guys find value in this episode of the podcast, all I ask is that you share it with somebody, somebody who you feel like may benefit and find value as well. So with that, let's get into it. Cue the music. The time is now. On everything. Took my heart away from money. I ain't interested in fame. And I pray that never change. Ambition is priceless. Something that's in your veins. And I put Guys, that on welcome back name. to the No Soliciting Experience. It's your boy Rick here. Uh, super excited to have today's guest on. I've uh, been going back and forth, been seeing everything that he's been doing, just creating this phenomenal culture within his organization and outside of his organization, just the person who he is. Uh, I'm super excited. Mitch Matthews, thank you so much, brother, for being on. Appreciate everything that, that you do. Thanks, um, man. So, Thanks yeah. for having me on. Sweet. Yeah. Um, just to kind of give the listeners an idea of who you are, would you mind giving us like a quick intro on who you are? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Mitch Matthews. I'm from Portland, Oregon, originally. Um, I'm a former athlete. I played football at Brigham Young University, BYU. And then I played a couple of years in the NFL afterwards. While I was still playing, I believe I was with the Minnesota Vikings at the time. I started the company that I own now in the direct-to-home sales space and pest control, which is Anthem, Anthem Pest Control. Uh, I wasn't involved our first year at the company. This is our fifth year, our fifth summer at least. I wasn't involved in our first year because I was still playing football. And all my energy and, and talents were going that direction. About our second year of the company, um, I was done playing football at this time. And I, uh, I actually last played with the Miami Dolphins. I, I came here to this industry and decided, look, if I'm going to be uh, the leader that I want to be at my business in this, in this industry, then I'm going to have to go get my hands dirty with our salespeople. So my first summer, uh, which was 2000 and I believe it was 18. 2018, I believe. Uh, my, my first summer, I went out and did a thousand accounts in under five months, um, which I'm very proud of. It was really hard to do. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, especially because I'd never had a sales background before and uh, grown the company to uh, just under 200 sales reps that we signed before this summer, which we've just started. So we're in, we're in the Southeast in Greenville, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, um, Dallas, Texas, and Houston, Texas. We're super happy with where we're at, but never satisfied and, and looking for looking for what's next. I'm very excited for the future. Sweet. Awesome. And um, I actually got to, I feel like I got to get to know you a little bit better after that podcast that you did with Doug Cartwright. Um, just okay. phenomenal, man. Um, one of the things that I really am passionate about is um, you kind of want to break that whole thing because for a lot of people, you're just known as the guy from BYU, right? And you're trying to change that into who you are. So um, I absolutely love what you're doing. Everything outside of sales, everything in sales. I see the culture that you guys are instilling in, in your people and they buy in. So I guess my, my curiosity for, and this is for like the owners and even like team leads is how do you cultivate that all that bought in culture that you guys have o- o- over at Anthem? Yeah. 
Well, I think first and foremost, especially if you're starting a company, and I think of if you're a team lead or a divisional or a regional, you're, you're, you're theoretically starting your own company as well. So you can have these same habits. You don't need to have the title of owner or title of CEO or president to do this, but you have to get your hands dirty. Your people need to know that you were and are willing to do what it takes to be great. You know, I, I didn't want to be the former football player who tried to motivate people to do sales, never having done it before or never even having, having been in this industry before, because people are always going to look at you as someone they respect for the other things you did, but not necessarily in this industry. So go out and break sales records, get your hands dirty, uh, show up to the morning meetings, even when you don't have to. Um, I, I have a ton of conversations with our, our leaders. We have 15 managers uh, or leadership, uh, people with leadership at our company. And I make sure I just have a gauge of what they need at all times. I'm constantly talking to them, maybe even a little bit too much, but I'm constantly temperature gauging these people to see what they need. And if they need something, I have to be willing to do it. Now, there is a fine line and a balance, though, of, look, I can't go knock full time, uh, you know, for, forever. There is a passing of the baton. And so when I've grown most as a leader is, is when I can pass the baton onto them. Because at some point, the companies grow so big that the, the, the very tip top, they are pretty far removed from their people. And even though as much as they try to dive down and to be in the, the nitty gritty with their people, you have to have passed the baton onto your leaders to do that for you. And so really what it is, is putting a ton of emphasis. And this is what we've done well at Anthem is put a ton of emphasis into our leadership and making sure you pass the baton off to them. Because I can tell you when I grew the most as a leader of the football team, when I was at BYU, was when the baton was passed to me as the leader of the wide receiver group or the leader of the offense, right? That's when I, I felt all the weight and pressure on my shoulders. And then it became my time to instill my culture. But it wasn't until that baton was passed on to me. And so that's what we're experiencing now. And I know a lot of other companies are, is at some point you have to pass the baton on to your people and say, you take it. It's your culture now. This is your team. This is your rules. When I come to, let's say, for example, when I go to visit our team out in Dallas, Texas, or I go visit the Atlanta West team, for example, I go to experience their culture. They teach me how it works. And once you can have that passing of the, of the baton to your people, and then it becomes this reverse role where, where you're the guest, and not when you come into town, everything just changes for you. That's when you know that the baton has been passed onto your, onto your leadership. So uh, at first, at the very beginning, you have to be entrenched. Get into the sales game if that's your part of the company and break sales records. Become a person worth listening to uh, and a person that was willing to do whatever it took to be great. And then the next challenge for you is to pass that baton onto everybody else. So that when you, when you leave or when you are more removed, it doesn't even matter. It's a seamless transition. And I think that's how culture is, is built over a long period of time is continuing to pass on the leadership baton onto the next generation. So they feel, hey, this is, this is my duty. This is my team. And responsibility like that, having the weight on your shoulders, it actually feels really, really good to have. And so we've done a good job at passing that, passing that along and we'll continue to do so. Dude, I love that, man. And one of the one of the lines you just said there at the end, like the pressure, right? Pressure is a privilege. So it just speaks to how you you temperature gauge your people. You see who's progressing, and you're just like, that's that's the person you want to cultivate. I love that, um, dude. I'm just curious. I, I I just had this thought. Um, when it comes to preparation for, I guess for your salespeople coming from an athletic background, um, mm -hmm. how how big is preparation for you and for your people? Yeah. 
No, I'm glad you I'm glad you segued uh, me into this because I would have brought this up probably anyways. But how you prepare and how you perform is the exact same. So if you prepare for something at a C minus level, well, you're gonna perform at a C minus level. There isn't any magic or any luck that happens over a full summer or a full season. You don't get lucky every single game, right? You're gonna have one lucky game. Let's say you didn't prepare. You can have one lucky game and perform at an A plus level, but you're not gonna perform the whole season that way if you prepare at a C minus level, right? So if you prepare at a D minus level, you're gonna perform that way. And on the contrary, if you prepare for something at an A plus level, you're going to perform that way because your self-esteem is through the roof. When you prepare at an A plus level and you can look in the mirror and you can say, I have the body I want. I have the mind I want. I'm forged by iron. I, I have gone through everything. I'm, I put the cap on. I'm ready to go. Have my hard hat on. I'm ready to perform. And I, I think that's where people miss is they think that there's a light switch. You know, when the summer starts, I'll just turn it on. When the season starts, game one, I'm a gamer. I'm going to turn it on. And I think that's the wrong mindset to have is games are won in the eight months of the off season. If you want to be a thousand account rep, that game of a thousand accounts is won in the off season. So how you prepare is exactly how you perform. It's, it's synonymous. It's the exact same thing. And so take it that seriously. And, and what's cool about coming from a football background is it is so easy to tell when you've performed. It is so easy to tell when I, when I would, so I got released, I'll give you an example by um, the Minnesota Vikings. And the next day I had a workout with uh, the Miami Dolphins and I, I was prepared. I had trained harder than I ever had my entire life when I was on the Minnesota Vikings and they released me. And the next day I had a workout with, with the Dolphins. And because I had been preparing, like I never had before this off season, when I was with the Minnesota Vikings, I went down for a workout against four other wide receivers who I know had been sitting on their couch for like the last three months. And I had been preparing at my prime, at the best I possibly could. I went down there and right away, the coaches know you've been preparing. You, you, you were prepared for this. Before I trained with, uh, or excuse me, when I got signed by the Minnesota Vikings, I trained for a combine. And the GM of the Minnesota Vikings came up to me after this combine and says, I know that you've been preparing. He said this almost word for word. I know that you had been preparing more than these other people. And it was obvious. He said the word obvious. He said, you have been preparing like the other 20 receivers here have not. We're going to sign you tomorrow. So it's obvious when you haven't prepared. It's super obvious to other people if you're not performing your best. But it's especially obvious to you when you're sluggish in your performance. You're like, man, I haven't prepared. But there's no going back now. The game has started. You can't go back and prepare for that game. It started. So it's the people who are super disciplined to prepare and do what it takes in the dark who are going to be brought to the light and shine in the light. Oh, I absolutely freaking love that. So, I mean, and that's just what it comes down to. Unfortunately, some people just don't prepare. Um, you know, I've, I've been in that situation. So for those who are, who find themselves in, in that situation where maybe they should have prepared for, prepared a little bit more, not asking for a crash course, but what are some suggestions that you would give them to just kind of, I mean, it, it's still early on it's May. If yeah. somebody had shown up, didn't prepare as much as they should have, what would you recommend they do today to yeah. try and salvage whatever summer they have left? For sure. So I look at the month of April and May, which is early May right now. We're still in preparation for the prime time of the summer. 
We, we so are. So don't look at this right now as like, hey, if you haven't prepared perfectly, you're doomed for the summer. That's not what I'm saying. You still have some time right now to prepare. And I told this to our entire leadership group at Anthem is the month of May is still prep time. This is the most important prep time. And the reason why is because people are getting door action, getting real objections, real no's, real yeses. So now how impactful are those role plays? Now how impactful are those morning meetings? Right? This is almost like semi-preseason in a way. And if you take that mindset of I'm still practicing and preparing, June, July, and August are going to be phenomenal for you. So what I challenge our leaders to do is at least three times a week have nighttime role plays where you're dog tired. You know, you, you had a full day and you come home at nighttime and it's 9.30 to 10.30, 9.30 to 11. You have more role plays. The answer is yes. It might seem crazy, but the answer is yes. Even in the month of May, I would challenge leaders to have 8.30 a.m. meetings just for the month of May. So three times a week, at least, nighttime role plays. Every single night, it should be going home and reading through your company's sales script. It should be watching your training videos on the online platform as well. Just because June are some of the most important games of the year. June is like conference or league games. The first four games sometimes are like the, the non-conference games. Conference, though, or league, that starts in June. So during the month of May, prepare at an A-plus level. So role play every single night. Get that real practice in. In the morning, show up 30 minutes earlier. I promise you, you're not going to get burnt out because that's the time you're going to get better. And so that practice in the dark, with behind closed doors, when you're dog tired, you come home, you're all salty and sweaty from getting denied all day at the office, we'll meet up with the leaders. They're going to love the fact that you're gleaning out of them more role plays. And then come June, July, and August, you'll be your best salesman yet. So the month of May is still prep time. Dude, I love that. And dude, as, as I hear you speak, um, I just love the energy that you're bringing. But it also comes down, it shows to me, one, the level of preparation and two, the mental headspace that you're in, right? Now, for those of you that don't follow Mitch, um, dude, you're constantly doing stuff. And I'm like, how is he doing it? Right. And this, this, this was before you had a kid, you know, now I see, right, right. you know, you have, you have the kid and prior to talking, you just said, you just pivoted, you just adjusted your, your schedule. How, how big of a schedule person or routine person are you? Um, I mean, I think you're leaving success up to chance unless you're scheduling out success. So unless you have your, your morning routine down, I'll, I'll give Doris for an ex as an example. When I'm out there knocking with my team, I have the same food every single day. Whatever your food of choice is, have it. I wake up at the same time every day. I listen to the same type of music every single day because I know that those, at least those three, three things will give me sustained energy throughout the day. I have the same snack every day. I knock for the same hours every day. And so I know that that is what has brought me success before. So I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to wake up every morning, have new food or wake up at a different time every day or go to bed at a different time every day. So I, I have to keep, keep every single thing the same as much as possible because you can only control so many things in life. The uncontrollable is the ones that, that get us, that make life really hard. So I have to control what I can control. And if you leave the things that you can control, out of your control, meaning you just don't choose to control them. Now it seems like everything in your life is out of your control. So I have to grab every single thing that I can control. My morning routine, the things I put in my body, the headspace that I'm in, the self-talk, all of those things I can't control. I can. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to control them. 
so that those uncontrollable things, like the weather, like what people say to me on the doors, they don't really matter because I have still control of at least 60 to 70% of my day and things just tend to go my way. The top performers in this industry, go look at their schedules. It's typically the same thing every single day because they don't want to leave anything to chance. And that, that's where I think a lot of athletes as well, they win or they lose. If you change your trainer, let's say I had a big year. Let's say I had you know a thousand yard season. And I had that trainer to get me to a thousand yard season. And then the next year I say, well, I'm going to go change it up, do something different. Well, then you're leaving everything to chance now. Now you don't know what the outcome is. But if I know using this trainer and this mindset, this self-talk, these foods got me to a thousand yard season or got me to first team all conference, I'm going to go back and do that same thing over again. You know what I'm saying? So just believing in your habits, believing in, in your system uh, of what results those things can produce, keep those exact same things over and over and see what, see what habits produce, what results and keep those. Then add in one positive thing like reading or a podcast or add positive things in the, into that day to see if that produces more. Oh, there we go. I love that. Um, just absolute fire. I'm curious. Um, I can't remember where I saw it, but I think maybe it was in the podcast with Doug. But we talked about, you guys talked about the building, right? I can't remember. But somehow a conversation mm -hmm. was brought up um, about the building and betting big. And there was like a sense of, I wouldn't say fear, but it was a sense of like, dude, like this is scary. Like we are building, we are building into this office. We are building into this building. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people when they're goal setting, because that, that to me is a clear example of like action with goals right? Your goal is to build into that building, but it must've been pretty freaking scary. Yeah. Yeah. The way my business partner and I look at it is we, we probably bit off a little bit more than we can chew. We, we bought a <laughs> big space, a lot of money into it. I mean, you know, our, the guy that built the building did a, did a phenomenal job. It's his space that he owns. And, and we took probably a third of this building, but we bit off a lot uh, in, in what could be looked at as maybe more than we could chew, but that's exactly how we want it. Because all that shows us is that we're betting on ourselves to grow into it and even grow past it. And we've already had conversations with how fast we've, we've grown lately um, that, hey, in three years from now, let's go buy that more than we can chew again. Because it just shows that we believe in ourselves so much to where we're willing to, to, to say yes to something, even though we don't know exactly how it's going to go and then figure it out along the way. So just say yes to opportunities and then you'll figure it out along the way. I really believe that. So we said, yes, this building, putting a lot of money down into it. And I really believe within one to two years, we're going to outgrow this thing and have to go work on the next project and go do something even bigger then. Dude, I love that. And every time I'm in Utah, it's, you guys are right next to uh, Aaron Wag's place, right? The same, the same building. Yeah. Yeah. The same building. building. Yep. Yours is on yep. the, his is like the center one. You guys are on the left. Yeah, exactly. You look at it. You can see, yeah. You can see it from the freeway. Yeah. 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 Dude, it's freaking dope, yeah. man. Um, dude, that speaks volume to me because one, you have somebody like Aaron Wags, like absolutely phenomenal entrepreneur, super successful in everything he does. Um, and dude, I see you on social media. I see you rubbing shoulders with the best. Um, how, how is that? Was that something that you've, you just naturally do or did you put yourself in a situation to where you want to be around more super successful people? That's a super good question. Um, and I want to answer it the right way because I feel like networking can either be so fake or it can be so real. And 
I think networking is a great thing, but that now has like a negative connotation to it, you know, where I think growing your social currency is just way more important because the more authentic you can be, the more real you can be, the more honest you can be. Um, It's so easy to look one way on social media, but then not really be that way when people, you know, get in the nitty gritty and they get to know you and they're like, wait a minute, that, that guy's not real. That's, that's what I would never want for myself. And so I try to be as authentic and real as possible. And I think having that wanting social currencies so that when people think entrepreneurship, you're the first person that comes to mind. When they think sales, you're the first person that comes to mind because of your body of work and your resume. Does that make sense? So you have to do real things to be very socially rich. So, you know, me selling a thousand accounts, us doing things the way we do here at Anthem. There's so many other great people in this industry that do things the right way, that, that, that are honest in their dealings. And they become socially rich. So that when people think pest control, they're the first person that comes to mind. Or when people think um, door-to-door, that someone is the first person that comes to mind. That typically means you're doing things the right way. And so I try to find people who are authentic as heck real, real people that I think are doing things the right way. Once I seem to find that person, I'm going to go after them and say, I want to meet you. I want to sit down with you. I want to hang out. And a lot of times just that reaching out to those people, it leads to a lot of cool places. You know, me reaching out to Lewis Howes, who I thought was a real one. I think he's a real one. And I really respect what he does. If you don't know who he is, he's one of the biggest podcasts in America. He's a real one to me. And I reached out to him relentlessly until I got to meet him because our story is really connected. I had a very similar story as he did. And that was real to me. So I want to really connect. And that led me to, to meeting Wim Hof and to meeting Jesse Itzler and Avi Marcus and some really cool people because it was, it was an authentic connection. You know, I, I, I'm not just trying to meet as many people as I possibly can and just network it like, like crazy because I feel like, uh, you know, it's so much better to go to a networking event and meet one person and have an authentic conversation with them than go get 50 numbers at a, at a networking event, you know? So I've I meet as many real people as possible that I want to do business with for the long term. And that typically leads to real ties to the next person who, you know, one connection can lead to because they really respect who you are and why you're doing it. So I would say networking is one thing. That's great. It's a great thing to do. I wish more people did it, but I think becoming more socially rich where you actually have a book of business that's real and authentic and people just wanted to continuously do business with you. That's just the point I try to get to. And that has led me to um, meeting some really cool people. Dude, I love that. And um, you said something that's, it, it, it's real. So you really want to meet them. Um, the, the reason I bring yeah. this up, man, is because, um, dude, again, I've been following you. I've been following everything you do. I've been following everything that you do. You just, you amplify who you are as a person on social media. And there's this line that I continuously use to this day, whenever it comes to recruiting, you never recruit, you always attract. That's something that, that I heard on the podcast that was referenced to you. And that's how I got, you know, I was like, well, who's, who's Mitch Matthews. And it's so true. You, I guess if, if, if if we want to get down to the fundamentals of the quantum, quantum physics of this, but the law of attraction is real. And you amplify mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. I guess. I guess my Thank question, it, dude, it's phenomenal because you are attracting people who are like-minded like you, and then that just leads you to, I guess, uh, who they're you know um, networked with, and it just opens up yeah. opportunities. So, 
I guess, yeah. what are what are some things that people can do to just raise their vibration to continue to level up, I guess? Yeah, man, that's such a good question. I think there's two sides to this page. I think there's recruiting, which is recruiting people who who are you know on the same level as you. You're all looking for opportunities. You're looking, you're in the same industry. There's that type of attracting instead of recruiting. Then there's the other side where you almost feel like, hey, I, I got to level up to where this guy's at. You know, so I want to talk about both. But let's talk about let's talk about the one first of, hey man, I want to meet cool people to help me level up. I want to I want to get up a level, and. That comes through finding people with a similar story to you. So I'll give you an example of Lewis Howes, how we met. So Lewis Howes is as much on social media as he is, he's looked at as like, he's got everything. He knows everybody. He interviewed, interviewed Kobe Bryant on his podcast, all these cool people. He's got an amazing lineup. I want his life. That guy struggles with things just like the rest of us. And so what I found in Lewis Howes wasn't like this clout that I wanted. Because if you're ever chasing clout, it means you never believed yourself in the first place because you want to feel what it feels like to have the coolness or clout. That's a bad spot to be in is to chase clout, right? You should just be cool with wherever you're at. Meaning like you're not necessarily cool with your success, but you're just cool with you. You should always be cool with you because all of us are so blessed and cool in our own way. You should never want to be cooler than you are because you're already as cool. You're already, as, you know, as, you're already cool as hell. So when I, the reason why I connected with Lewis is because him and I had a crazy similar story. We went from college sports, uh, playing at a high level to, to playing professionally, to you know, losing his dad. I lost my mom at about the same time. We both had an ankle injury that, that got us out of the sports and we both want to inspire millions of people. And I'm like, what well, stories oddly connect at a, at a very odd timeline. And so I said, I want to connect with Lewis to see how he's become so successful through all those hardships, like I'm trying to do now. And this is about four years ago, three, four years ago. So I connected with Lewis. And it was refreshing for him as well, because I had a similar story. He hadn't met anybody like me that could provide value to him about how we were able to have success through adversity. But I really wanted to learn from him as well. And so I reached out to him on social media a few times. And I, I told him I'd be down in California and we, we would get together and work out and, and uh, get to know each other. And he was up for the idea because we had such a strong connection. The wrong way to approach a guy like Lewis House is, hey, Lewis, love your work. Can I, can I get lunch with you and pick your brain? It's like, no, because he, he gets those messages 50 times a day, right? So I found an authentic connection because I want nothing but authenticity in my life. I found an authentic connection. We connected and he felt that. And when I was down there with him, I wasn't googly eyed over him at all because he's a normal guy just like me with a similar story. And I did the same exact thing with Bradley. I was able to be on Bradley's podcast a year ago. I was able to have dinner with him um, about five, six months ago. And when I was down there with Bradley, he's doing some really cool things, but I wasn't googly eyed over him. I, I made fun of him when he needed to be made fun of. You know, I, I, I built him up when he needed to be built up and we, we developed an authentic relationship that's going to last for a long time. And I was able to spend some time with Jesse Itzler and it was the same thing. I think him and I are very, very similar in our approach to life and everything was just authentic. So what I'm getting at with connecting with people and networking and leveling up to, you know, cool groups of people is make sure you actually want to be like them. Because one thing you realize about influencers is you actually get to know them. A lot of them turn out to be really cool on social media. And then in person, they're not the person you thought. So my advice for everyone is never obsess over someone on social media. Once you get to know them and you love how authentic they are, that's when you need to double down on that relationship. And that's what I found is I, I, I try to meet as many people as I can 
because it'll help me level up. But I stick to the ones who I feel like are just as real in real life as they are on social media. And I never want to be googly-eyed over someone or obsessed over an influencer, get to meet them in person, like, wow, I'm I'm disappointed in myself for, for uh, obsessing over that influencer, finding out who they really were in person and being like, wow, that was a waste of time. You know, so it's just all about authenticity. It's all about realness. Find the people who are real, real, genuine connections. Now, on the other side of that, back into recruiting, same thing. Um, you want to be surrounded by people that are, are a lot like you, who have similar goals and visions. You click on the same wavelength. What you just said, you know, what what energy you put off. Um, you know, your vibe is your tribe. So put off a certain vibe. People that like that vibe are going to be attracted by that vibe and they're going to come to you anyways. They're going to come in your DMs. If you're putting off a certain vibe and not sounding super recruity, not sounding super short-term transaction-y or transaction-like, if you're sounding transaction-like, you're putting off a certain vibration or wave to them, they're going to feel that and then they're going to want just transactions out of you. They're going to want one year and a big mega deal out of your company and they're going to be gone too because that's what you you know, you promote it to them. But if, you're, if your vibe is long-term, if your vibe is real, if your vibe is stick to if your vibe is authenticity, that's who you're going to attract. And you might not be able to scale as fast, but you don't care because you're attracting only real people into your life. And that's what makes this job really fun. So be exactly who you want to recruit and, and do it on an authentic level and don't be transaction-y and you're going to end up attracting a lot more people uh, than you could ever do trying to recruit other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, dude, that makes total sense. And I absolutely love it because that's, dude, yeah. I, for me and my personal experience, I think it was a few years ago. Yeah, I was like, I was young. I had just gotten home off my mission. Like social media had just become this huge thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, for me and my example, you would, it was like big into fitness, like all the fitness influencers. And then you go meet them at the Fit Expos. You're like, dude, that guy was a douche. Like, why, <laughs> why, why, why am I even following that person? You know, I bought all their right. merch. I bought all their stuff. And I'm like, and I meet them. Like, right. this is what I've been giving my money to. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. It's crazy, man. And, and, and that's, I'll tell you and everyone that's listening to this, the fastest way to stunt your own growth is to obsess over people that you haven't met yet. Because what you're doing is you're becoming Mr. Fanboy of other people who are, mm-hmm. are promoting their best self only on social media. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do is become a fanboy of people and we all know the difference between respecting someone and then fanboying over someone, right? Mm-hmm. If I would have fanboyed over everybody in the NFL, then I would have gone there, you know, first day and been like, I don't even care if I make the team. I just, I'm so glad to be here in this locker room with these cool guys. Yeah. But you have to take the right approach. And this is the same thing at BYU. Treat the seniors and the All-Americans, obviously with respect, but you got to remember, you're trying to become like them. So I don't obsess over you and fanboy over you because that'll, that, that puts them on a pedestal that I can never get to and down here, right? I try, to, I try to even the playing field by loving what they do, respecting them, then getting to know them in an authentic way and never fanboy over people. I just respect the hell out of probably five to 10 people that I see on social media and Instagram and say, man, I can't wait till I'm there one day not obsessing over them when you obsess over someone that puts you in the fan that puts you as a fan that puts you in the audience with the crowd that, that also fanboys them it puts you with the masses 
The second you start fanboying people, it's the wrong mindset to have. The mindset you want to have is, man, I can't wait till I'm there one day. I'm going to pick two, three, four things that they're doing. I'm going to do that. So I get out of the fan crowd, the audience crowd, and I get up to that level one day. So I can become the teacher uh, as well, just like they are. So quit fanboying. And I'm not saying this to you. I'm just saying to everyone listening, quit fanboying over people. Just take three or four things that you love about a certain small group of people and say, I'm going to do those things and see where I can become, see who I can become. Dude, I freaking love that, man. Absolutely. Just because it's it, one, the, as I listen to it, I, I, I sense the concept of abundance, right? Just because they're doing it now to level the playing field there, there is an open market for anything you're doing, whether that's social media sales, anything in life. It just means that somebody capitalized on something and you like what they're doing, but you have your own spin on it. Whether for that sure. is sales, yep. whether that is whatever you want to go into, there's abundance. There's a ton of people out there who are ready and willing to connect with you. You just haven't leveled up to that, to that position where you can now influence and help mold people's lives down the road. The only thing you have to tell yourself is, is I just haven't done it yet. Uh-huh. Right. When you fanboy over somebody uh, and put somebody on this pedestal, you're pretty much saying, I'll never get there. I'm just, I'm fine being a fan, buying their merch, just listening to everything they say and soaking it in. That's great. But it's got to be, I'm just not there yet. I'm going to be there. They're just helping me accelerate to get to where they're at. I'm just not there quite yet. Give it 10 years, give it five years. I'm going to be right there with them. And that's the right mindset to have because that action is incorporated. The word yet, I'm just not there yet. I'm going to be there. That's just, that's just action in your mind. It's saying, hey, I'm going to be there pretty soon with these couple of steps. Dude, I love that. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know, how, how do you approach like that simple, well, I guess there yet, right? The way, so for me, when I set my goals, I do more, they're more like visualization, right? Um, mm-hmm. I picture myself where I'm going to be at and I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm super weird when it comes to this. So for me and my process, it's binaural beats. I listen to, yeah, I listen to binaural beats. I put my eye mask on because I understand that I have really bad ADHD. And if I don't, mm-hmm. it's, I'm not going to get anything done. Uh, all over the o- place. Over yeah. The, yeah, all over the place. My mind doesn't stop. Um, I'm the same way. Over the year ahead. I guess it's just our, our, our superpower. We're always thinking about something new. Right. Um, right. But the concept of this is what I'm going to do, I visualize and I attach my emotional and even just like my spiritual being to the future and say, okay, this is who I'm going to become, right? This is who I'm becoming. I just haven't gotten there yet. Time hasn't caught up. How, how do you approach your goal setting when it comes with, with anything really? Yeah. Well, kudos to you, man. I mean, you're a guy of abundance as well. I mean, you know, you get to be in this industry, make great money and improve yourself. And then also, you know, talk to people who have done cool things in this industry. So you're a person who embodies exactly what you say. So respect to you, man, for, for doing all that you do as well. So you're highly respected. I already know that. And uh, good for you, man. So respect to you for sure. Thanks, man. Um, in terms of how, of course, in terms of how I approach my goals is I, I look at them as, a need to do, not a want to do. Because needs never change. I need to eat. I need to exercise. I need to do certain things to stay alive. Why can't my ambitions and my aspirations be needs as well? So that I want to succeed as bad as I want to to eat, 
right? I have to turn all my goals into a need situation, not a want. Because we wake up on the wrong side of the bed sometimes. We just don't want to be great. It's like, what the heck? Yesterday I was on fire. Today I'm in the dumps, you know? So that, that happens. That, that's human. That's just normal. No one is just on fire every single day. They're just lying to you. They might project that on social media, but they're just lying to you. That's not the reality. So it comes to putting your goals into the I need category. So the reason why I wanted to go sell a thousand accounts was not because it can make you, you know, a quarter of a million dollars, right? Or what, whatever it breaks down to be. It was, I need to sell a thousand accounts so that I can be that sales coach, that leader that my people need. I need to go out and work today. Oh boy, I don't want to at all today. I do not want to knock a single door. It's August um, account, you know, 850, 900. I do not want to do this at all. And that's so real, but I put that goal into the need category. And the second you remind yourself, hey, this is a need. You can't not perform today. You, you can't not eat today. So you also can't not perform today. This is a need. Your people need you. And putting yourself in, putting goals and yourself in that category, the need category, it makes accomplishing goals a lot easier because you're putting it in a category of like, I need to brush my teeth. I need to eat. I need to work out. I need to do all these things. I need to sell five accounts today or 10 accounts today or three accounts today. I, I need to do it. There's no want involved. I haven't even thought about wants in a long time. I need to do this, right? And if you can you know, reverse engineer your brain or connect whatever pathways are in there that make it so that your goals become needs, that's when you start having a lot of success. Dude, I'm fascinated and I'm blown away by how you describe that. Um, you need to, because of the people that, that, that it affects, a mm -hmm. lot of people look at it as a selfish thing. Oh, this is what I want to do. This is what I, this is what I need to do. You look at it because if I don't do this, I can't help this person or I can't help these people. Dude, I think that's absolutely, dude. I think that's absolutely dude, so fascinating. Thanks, man. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I had a conversation with one of my sales reps. It's one of those sales reps where, you know, you can be just so blunt, honest with them and they just take it and they gobble it up and it always turns out to be better. So I had one of those very blunt conversations with the sales rep the other day about burnout. This is his third year. He's performing at a high level and all of his bills are paid. So he's making good money. So he's, he's out there and he sells his three accounts in a day or whatever it is. It's like, well, like why go harder? Why close that next person, that fourth sale? super hard. Why though? My bills are paid. And I'll let everyone know this. You're going to reach burnout a lot earlier every day, every week, every month, and in your life in general, when you're looking to pay your bills and do what it takes, just enough to do what it takes to live or pay your bills or pay for you, the wife and the kid, or just make it to the next year. You're going to get burnt out a lot earlier. You want to know how to push burnout off way, way later. It's a very unselfish thing to do. It's actually very selfish to just look at you and your family and perform just so they can eat and make it to 2022. It's actually a very selfish thing. The most selfless thing you could do is say, this isn't about me because no one makes money in this industry working by themselves. It comes through recruiting, which comes through leadership, which comes through giving your gifts away. So if I'm knocking just to sell three a day, that's the most selfish thing I can be doing. Yeah, it'll pay the bills for me. Of course it will. But the most selfless thing you can be doing is saying, I need 
to sell accounts four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10, because next year and the year after, people who I haven't even met yet are going to need that knowledge to change their life. So four, five, six, seven, eight, those accounts, that's a need. I, you gotta stop, if, you, if you're getting burnt out, stop thinking about yourself because you're, you're hitting that burnout mark in May and June when you're, or just every day, you're, you're getting burnt out at the end of the day because you're like, well, my bills are paid. That's the most self, selfish talk you can have. Get that out of your, get that out of your mind. I, I, I tell all my, all my sales reps, don't ever count the money you make every single day because it'll, it'll be the reason, the reason why you stop working. You're working right now this year for people who you haven't even met yet so that they can experience in 2025 your expertise from 2021. And you need to accumulate that together selflessly and have massive days and a massive summer this year so you can live a life of abundance and gather a lot of people and attract a lot of people because that's how you actually make money anyways. Dude, I love that. And you, you capped it off with abundance. That's what it comes down to. A lot of people in this, as you're talking, this is my, my mind process is the more, I guess, the more sales you make, the more money you make. The more money you mm -hmm. make, the more opportunity you have to invest in other things. The more, the mm -hmm. more you invest in other things, there's obviously a return. You don't invest. The goal is to invest and not lose money, right? So the goal is to invest and appreciate your wealth, which then not only affects you, your future generations, but it creates job opportunities. It creates an opportunity for other people to see what you're doing and want to have that in their life. Obviously, that's specific for them, but you're creating this ripple effect of just abundance. Mm -hmm. And you explained it perfectly. When you start counting how much money you're making, you're going to get burnt out and it's not as fulfilling and you're not going to do as well. Dude, I just absolutely here's, here's the reason. that. And here's the reason, and I appreciate you recapping that. Here's the reason, because once you've covered your needs, the food, you pay your rent, once you cover the needs, you've capped your goal at, I just need to sell two a day or three a day to cover my personal and family needs. Where you have to change the goal to be, no, I need to sell six. I, it's an absolute need because me recruiting a team is going to require me doing very good things and high level things in this industry. Doing three a day is selfish just to pay for me and my family. I need to six, seven, eight, nine, 10 a day because I need to build a big team to accomplish my goals. So now the, the need threshold moved from three to six by telling myself one sentence. I need to move that goal up to six plus, seven plus a day because I need to be able to grow that team to accomplish my goals. So the need needle just moved by just re, re, reverse engineering or reconstructing your mindset of, I gotta, I, I gotta base my goals off of need. My personal needs are far less important right now than what 2022, 23, 24, and 25 can bring because that's where money is really made anyways in those following years. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And it's it just, I mean, for everyone listening, like, yeah, this is, it's not something easy. Um, the more you do it, the, I, the simpler it becomes, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you have to go through the hard and it's, it's going to be hard to change your mindset from I need to go to two, two a day to just cover my bills to, I need to do six, seven, eight, whatever that may be. Um, mm -hmm. With everything that you do, you have your brand redefined hard. Um, how, how do you approach just doing hard and just redefining it? I guess, give us a little bit about that brand. Yeah. 
I got my, got my uh, daily reminder in my office here. You know, for me, like the old me, life came pretty easy. Sports came easy. Um, making friends came easy. Just life just kind of came easy. And it wasn't until 2017, within the same month, my mom passed away. I was cut for the third time of, in the NFL. Um, I started this business now. And uh, I'm also getting, getting, getting married. All those events that I just listed, my mom is passing, my wedding, starting this company, and me getting cut from my dream job of playing in the NFL for the third time, all happened within one month. So hard finally came knocking on my door. And that's when I realized, um, that's when the growth for me really started mentally, is when hard became a reality. That, that That's what I need to redefine. Uh, because if my definition of hard is 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 growing and progressing every single year well then other things of life start becoming start becoming really really easy you know hard life ends up being a really easy life and an easy life a coddled life ends up being a really hard life and you can only focus on what's hard whereas you knock on hard's door which i didn't to start with but i do now when i knock on hard's door my perspective on life just is completely changed and so yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of just taken that that term that I come that I came up with, redefine hard, as I want to see what my hard threshold is. I want to see how far I can move that hard needle, um, because I promise, when, the more I move it forward, the more I look backwards and say, man, that was that was easy, and now I can accomplish way more. So hard came to hard came to to me at that time, totally slapped me in the face and and, and made me and forced me change to change my perspective. Um, and say, I'm, I'm going to see, I'm gonna see uh, who, can, who can last longer, hard or, or me. And so that's where, that's where I've kind of changed. And it's, 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 it's made life a lot more enjoyable to attack hard instead of waiting for, for it to come to me. Because it's going to come to everybody. No one's immune to hard. And so it's, it's my job to, to attack it just to, see, just to see my limits. Yeah. And, dude, I've seen it. Um... Recently, you did some event where you, I think it was in, it was in Utah. You dragged everybody on a hike. I think everybody was just either in their shorts or in their boxers. And I'm like, dude, there's no yeah. way I would ever be able to do that. That is yeah, absolutely yeah. insane. So you, you study a lot with Wim Hof. I saw you went out to his thing, um, wherever. Went to his house. From. In, in, uh, went to his house in Poland. Dude. Talk, talk to me a little bit about Wim and how what he's done has helped you because I do his breathing exercises every day before I hit the doors. Um, my office, when I hit, when I knock on the door, I step back, I get angled, I take three big breaths, and I'm just in my office. So right. I'm just curious. I'm, I'm just yeah. curious to see how how Wim has affected you, or I guess positively helped you. Well, so before I met Wim. I didn't know how superhuman humans really are. It wasn't until I met Wim, a normal guy, a very just normal guy who has tapped into his superhuman. It wasn't until that moment I was like, wait a minute, how superhuman am I? If this guy can do what he's done, why can't I do anything that I put my mind to? So, I believe that that high performers, they tap into their own superhuman and do superhuman things all the time. Because you have to remind yourself, humans are very dumb. 
but we got to remind ourselves a lot. We got to tell ourselves all the time about how great we are. We can't tell ourselves back in 2009 how great we are and expect that to last now. We have to tell ourselves every single day that you can become great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm a billionaire. They just haven't paid me yet, right? That's the mindset of someone who's going to be great. So, and we all have that superhuman in us. And it wasn't until I met Wim that I was able to realize how superhuman people are and how superhuman I could become. So I went up to Poland with that, that group with Lewis Howes, Jesse Isler, Aubrey Marcus, Steve Weatherford, a bunch of great, great guys who in a lot of ways are pretty superhuman. And we're able to do a lot of cold therapy and a lot of things that involve just extreme cold. One of the things was uh, going in an ice tub uh, with the water up to our, up to our necks, which I'd never done before. And most people think that they would die. And actually, if you spend too much time in that cold water, you probably will die 30, 40 minutes. And so I was able to step in, in water that wants to kill me, wants to crush me, and then dominate it, right? I'm able to redefine hard, understand, wait a minute, I can actually do a little bit more than I thought I could. Because before I came to his house, I definitely would have never done that. I would have thought, like you said, there's no way, right? There's just no way I would have done that. But then you go, you go actually do it. And you're like, wait a minute, what else can I do? do now? What, what, what is my superhuman threshold now? So we went up and did a four hour hike on Mount Schneska in Poland, just shorts, no shirt. It's, it was uh, early January. So the coldest part of the year. And we did a four hour hike. I think with the wind chill was like negative 15, negative 20. And we did a four hour hike together and loved it. It was one of the best memories uh, in my 30 year old life. Because I was able to say, wait a minute, I would have never done this. I thought people died doing this type of stuff. That's how people die. We were able to go sing songs with a smile on our face and crush it because Wim taught us how to be just that much more superhuman. And so I think high performance is testing to see how superhuman you can become. It's not seeing how much money you can make, but seeing what type of records can you break? Because if you're the type of person that wakes up every single day and says, then I wonder what I can do today that everybody else says they die trying to do or says there's no way it's possible well i'm going to wake up every day and add that to my to-do list do something every day that reminds me how great i can become a superhuman and go after some sort of record that no one else has done before to me that's a very healthy way to live and what it does it takes you away from the money it takes you away from um the the selfishness of your little need goal need to put food on the table it, it puts you into this abundance mindset. Let me see I got in me. Let me see how great I can become and let me test my superhuman and see what I got in me. And that's when you start living a life of, of abundance, record-breaking and, and knowing what your, superhuman, uh, what your superhuman is. Dude, I love that, man. Okay, I feel so inspired right now. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, me too, so, me too. Dude, it's just, because that's just what it is. You just, so- off of my observation, it's just a person who wants to level up, continuously level up and continuously bring people up with you. Um, it's, it's a clear sign of a phenomenal leader. So, I mean, respects to you. Um, and dude, you're, you're, you're just getting started, which is mm -hmm. the crazy, scary thing about it. So for everyone listening to this, I mean, it, you can start today. Your journey doesn't end. And actually, your, your journey doesn't end until, obviously, you die, but your legacy goes on way past that. Um, mm -hmm. Dude, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just in awe right We're now. We're buzzing, baby. We're buzzing. Right <laughs> We're <now>. buzzing. <laughs> like, buzzing I right now, man. I love it. 
I love it, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what's, what's next for you, man? Like what's, what's your next hard door? It's a good question, man. You know, right now at our company, um, we're, we're going after um, something that's never, never been done in the industry before, where all of our managers are going after hitting 500 accounts. We have 15 managers to level up our leadership lid, that law of the lid that, that uh, John Maxwell talks about. Raising your leadership lid will be the biggest reason why you can grow your company, right? And so if we have all of our managers who've hit 500 accounts, that's never been done before in the industry, um, then that'll raise our lid. And so for me, it's not about what, seeing what I can do on the doors or seeing what I can do with the company. That baton has been passed. It's onto these guys now. It's seeing what records these guys can break. And I'm just there as a guest. I'm there with binoculars on the sidelines, up in the, up in the, up in the nosebleeds, watching these people perform, putting the pressure on them. And because it's not about me. And, and, and if it was, we wouldn't go anywhere. It's about these people seeing what they can do and seeing their superhuman. Because I know what it'll do to the psyche of our people if they can all hit 500 accounts. They'll start to believe in themselves uh, past what they ever have in their entire lives. And so that's where that's my job to help people think that big and to think that they can do those things. I've been tricked. I've been duped into thinking that I can do those things. It's their turn. And, and once they can do that, their leadership lid goes way up. Once your leadership lid gets higher, you can now fit more people that want to work with you underneath you. In other words, recruiting, building your downline, building your network, building your company. So the baton has been passed on these guys. The pressure's on their shoulders. And I know from talking to them, that's exactly what they want. So to answer your question, my job is to is passing now the baton of these people and seeing what we can get these people to do. And to, to be the most selfless leader I can possibly be, be a guest in their cities and to watch them from the sidelines or in the bleachers to see how great they can become and to instill in them a habit that that's what's, that's how it's done to break a record, do great things, then pass it on to the next person. So there's a, there's like a 400 meter, a four by one where you keep passing the baton over and over and over and it just never stops. And so that's the culture that we're trying to instill now. And every other thing that I do, it's the same exact thing. When I played football, it was passing the baton to that junior who's going to be the next senior leader in the receiver room or passing on to the next captain. It's just passing the baton to people. So that's my job. I, there's no personal things that I personally want to go after, personal records. It is all of these guys and passing it on to somebody else. I love that, man. Absolutely love that. Um, so we're running a little bit low on time. I just got confirmed from my other Zoom meeting. But, um, dude, if, if there would be one thing that you would want to share with the industry, I guess some parting advice, what, what would that be? Um, without repeating myself, because what I've said already is probably the, the, the bread and butter to be successful in this industry. Um, you know, I would just say it's our job as human beings to see how great we can become, not for ourselves, but to leave a blueprint for the people that come after us. I'm so grateful for the blueprints that I have, that Rolodex of blueprints that I have 
to look at and say, this is how this person became an All-American. This is how this person became a Hall of Famer. This is how this person became a billionaire. And they've given me those things. I'm so grateful for people who have gone before me. And once people have that mindset, it's my job to now create a blueprint for the next generation. That's the most selfless thing you can do, but that's also what's going to get you paid. Because salespeople get paid. It's like the highest, it is the, on average, the highest paid position on earth. But do you want to know who makes more? The leader of salespeople. So you can't become that way until you become extremely selfless and say, what do I have to do? What, what fire do I have to run through? Whether it's breaking a certain sales record, being, getting to a certain level of talent or greatness in your industry. I have to go bite that bull. I have to go run through that fire to do it because I have to leave a blueprint for the next 1,000 people that step through our doors. So success is extremely selfless. You'll get paid in direct proportion of how great of a blueprint you can give to your people. That's how you get paid. If you leave the perfect blueprint, you'll get paid at, at, at the highest level. If you leave an average blueprint, well, then you're only going to be able to attract average talent. You'll have an average legacy and that will end up coming back to pay you. So success is extremely selfless. It's about doing what you have to do so that the masses can say, I want to be like that guy and do what he, that guy did. And you have to look at it in a selfless way and it'll always come back to, to benefit you. So my parting words are uh, from now on, it's selfless to go sell a lot of accounts. It's selfless to, to be great because you're just leaving a blueprint to other people who want the same thing you do. So go leave that blueprint for them. That's it, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Freaking love that. And where, where can people find you on social media or. Yeah. My uh, Instagram and all my socials are uh, at Mitch Matthews, 10 Matthews oddly has one T in it. So at Mitch Matthews, 10, or you can text me. I have like a motivational text line um, mm -hmm. that I love to connect with. It's if you just text me, say anything, 971-204-8268. Um, if you just text me, it'll, uh, it'll show up and, and you'll be a part of my, you know, motivational uh, text. I like to send I'm out on, every couple weeks. I'm on it. Are you on it? Oh, yeah, good. I'm on there it. You go. Go. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That and, that and uh, um, uh, through my social medias are probably the best ways to connect. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, Mish. Thank you so much for being on, brother. Appreciate everything you do. And I'm excited to see what else you accomplish. Hey, likewise for you, man. I appreciate what you do, man. You're a good dude. Thanks for having me on. Is it a dream, a dream, though what's harder to live? They gonna love me for my ambition. Is it a dream, a dream, though what's harder to live? They gon' love me for my ambition. Easy to dream a dream, but what's harder to live? Huh. They gon' love me for my ambition. It speaks for itself. Beautiful music, paint a picture, it be my vision. Define ambition.